Do you want to learn the secrets of building a successful brand on social media for the restaurant and hospitality industry? Then sit tight because on this episode of the Social Media Lawcast, Amida Lucero from Concern Cook is going to share her secrets. Are you ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Social Media Lawcast. I am your host, social media attorney, Ethan Wall, here to talk about all the tips, tricks about social media and the law. But sometimes we have an incredibly special guest on our show, and today is one of those days. I am so very excited to introduce to you Aymara Lucero. Aymara is the founder of Concerned Cook, a restaurant and food business marketing agency with a focus on health, nutrition, and sustainability. She is absolutely awesome. She's my tag team partner on some Instagram lives, and she is here to tell you about how she built this brand and how she serves others in the social media and marketing space. So without further ado, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. That was a great introduction. Well, thank you. (laughs) Not my first rodeo. Uh, You can tip me on my my Patreon account afterwards for the introduction. But uh, yeah, super stoked and excited for you to be here. Awesome. Me too. I'm happy to be here. And I'm glad that I am one of your special guests. So ready to get into it. Yeah, for sure. And you've had a big morning. We were talking before the show that yes. uh, you had some exciting stuff going on, you know, without spoiling anything, you know, what's, yes. what's happening in your world? Well, I've been doing a lot of interviews lately, locally and with other projects that I am working on. Like I, I, I've been doing something for two years called Latin Restaurant Weeks where we, it's, it's actually, it started in Houston and now it came to Miami, came to Chicago. And it's a couple that is supporting Latin owned businesses in different communities. So you, you have a special menu and it's, but it's a whole grassroots project where you have to contact like 500 restaurants asked them to sign on. And we were getting a lot of press from that. And from that, I've been getting other different things. And I'm looking into hosting some things for rest, like a, a restaurant media agency. So a lot of fun stuff where we get to talk about our business that we love doing. So I'm excited. Incredible. I have a celebrity right here on the podcast. <laughs> no, this <you're-> is fantastic. <laughs> okay. You know, for, for, for everybody listening out there, feel free to, uh, to get a pen, okay, and an envelope ready so you can, you can mail that to Aymara and she can give you an autograph and you can say, I knew her when before she became big and famous. So amazing. One day. That would be fun. That would be really fun. To have yes. maybe our, our own little shows. Well, you yeah. have right here. <laughs> Bring it on. Let's do it. So um, in addition to being a celebrity influencer in kind of the food and marketing space, you are also the founder of Concerned Cook. So tell us, what is Concerned Cook and how did you dream up this concept in the first place? Well, this is this has been 10 years coming. So here we are. Uh, Concerned Cook is a restaurant and food product marketing agency. It started due to my experience in working with 
restaurant franchises in Miami and restaurant groups, but moreover, all for my love for the hospitality experience and the service industry. Because as you know, if you don't, anyone that goes to a restaurant, a cafe, a hotel, it's an entire experience that there's a team dedicated there to provide you. And all over the world, it's something that connects us, food, restaurants, cuisine. It just connects us to culture, connects us to everything. So I've always been really fascinated by that. And about 10 years ago, I joined uh, Weight Watchers and I was trying to figure out kind of like how to cook things that I loved cooking because I've always loved cooking really healthy things, but also how to teach other people how to do it because a lot of people really want to have a healthy lifestyle, but they're not necessarily interested in all the work that comes behind it because maybe they don't like cooking. They're not interested in it, but they just really want to have a, a healthy life and get that that outcome, you know, get to the end goal. So I, I just kind of wanted to be a vehicle for those people while keeping myself accountable. And then it grew once I started making a lot more healthy recipes. I mean, my family has always cooked a lot. They also cooked healthy, but I, I love kind of like the structure of the program. It's something that you can stay in forever. So I started looking at where food comes from and that took me to sustainability. And also nutrition is very important. So it's not only about eating healthy, but you know, what is in every little thing you're eating, like what vitamins, what nutrients and, and things like that. So it became this whole brand just focused on the hospitality industry, local, but like, what are people cooking, you know, local chefs, like where are they getting their food from? Are they focused on the ingredients? Are these ingredients good for people? So that's kind of like my passion put into a business now. And since I have my degree in psychology and marketing, it was perfect because consumer behavior is everything now. <laughs> like it's like how we, we consume based on our identity and like how we align with the things that we spend our resources on, like our time or money. So it's very fascinating and I have a lot of fun doing it. Yeah, it's amazing. And you've been able to marry your passion with your work, which is kind of one of those secrets to life and helps to keep you in alignment. And I'm very aligned with this because I love to eat. I eat maybe, <laughs> maybe five times a day. And if I'm eating all the stuff I want to be eating sometimes, I'm not going to look and feel as great as I am. So to be concerned about what I'm putting into my body, how to balance that is is something that I think we all think about. Everybody wants to eat things that they enjoy and they also want to look and feel their very best. And so yeah. to have a guide along the way to help them in that is wonderful. And at the same time for brands that uh, brands, restaurants in the hospitality industry that want to be able to communicate that needs to align themselves with someone that shares their vision and shares their passion and can help spread the word. And yes. I know that that's one of the things that you do. But yes. before we get there... I'm concerned about um, people about, love saying that to me all the time. I, I do. I'm, I'm concerned about the, where you got your name from and how this came from. I remember because we first met at Sarah and Associates. Yes. Um, I was delivering a speech on something in like the hallway of this law firm, and one of my great friends, Lillian Sir and Zach Evangelista, invited me to come speak. You were there, kind of had asked some questions during it. We chatted a bit afterwards, and that's how we became friends. And I started following you on Instagram, and somewhere around that time, I don't know if it was it was already existing or it came into play, I saw a concerned cook, and I'm like, oh, this is cool. What is she concerned about? Like, where? <laughs> what is this brand name all about? So how did you come up with building this brand and picking this name, and what was that journey like along the way? 
Yes, that was that was when I was working marketing in IT, one of my first jobs. And um, I, you know, around that time, I started working really hard on Concerned Cook because I started doing my master's in marketing and you really needed a project to hone in on. So a lot of people didn't really have, you know, hobbies or things like that or like brands that they were playing around with and they had to, you know, make something up. But I was like, oh, let me get back into Concerned Cook. Because like I mentioned before, I had started about 10 years ago, but it was more like a hobby. So there was maybe like a year where I never posted anything. I mean, I was still cooking, but I was busy doing other stuff and I wasn't committed to it. It was something I did part-time. I didn't think of it as a business. There weren't content creators like that before, you know. So it started actually as something else. It had another name. It was called Watch Your Weight because it was based on Weight Watchers. And it was on kind of like a, a blog website. I forgot one of, not Tumblr, the other one. And I remember that I was doing, I was just doing it for fun, like keeping my recipes and, and whatnot, really bad pictures with really old phones. <laughs> and one of my coworkers, this man that I used to work with, he, I asked him if he had seen it cause he followed it. And he was like, the name kind of offends me though. And I was like, wait, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, I just feel like you're yelling at me saying, watch your weight. And I was like, oh, I thought it was a, just a play on Weight Watchers. Cause it was just it was like points. It was just directed to those people. Like that's the only people that would be interested in it. People that were counting points. And I thought about it and I don't know how concerned cook. I love alliteration. So maybe that's why, but concerned cook came to me because <laughs> I, I was concerned about what he said about food. Like, I don't know. It was a word that was in my head at the time and I'm not a chef. So I cook and I was like, concerned cook. And then it became a thing. And people are always like, I'm concerned about this. And they're like, wink. <laughs> and they'll call <laughs> me like, they'll call me, they'll just be like concerned. And I'm like, wow, is this a negative connotation? Maybe, but I'm never changing it now. I mean, we're here. Like it's concerned cook. That's it. Yeah. And you know, <laughs> if anything, look, think about the millions or billions of brands that are out there. And oftentimes we hear brand names, and they kind of just pass through us. Not saying that yeah. they're good or that they're bad, but perhaps they're not memorable. Yours, for better or for worse, jumps out at people, causes them to think about it, causes them to remember it. It like triggers something in the brain. It's one of those kind of in the trademark world, we call oh. suggestive names. Okay. So when we like think about trademarking a brand, for example, um, there are like generic names, like this would be called coffee cup, or you know, this could be like the the blue mug. It's either the the name coffee cup, it's generic, or it's the blue mug, and you can't see that if you're not watching the video. So you got to turn into our YouTube channel to watch this video. But like <laughs> a blue mug would be something that describes this blue coffee mug. Neither of okay. those things are entitled to trademark protection because it's either generic coffee cup or it describes it. And the trademark office doesn't want to give somebody a monopoly over that name. What right. names are protectable are fanciful names. If I call this the squigamaboo because it's a made up word, or if it's suggestive, like this, like the tipsy sipper. Here, oh. that's like, oh, okay, the mug can tip a little bit so it doesn't fall over, and I sip out of it so it doesn't describe it, but it's suggestive. It like creates this thought in your mind of. What's a tipsy sipper? Um, also, I just made that name up. Side note, Ethan, write that down. You yes. might want to trademark a non-tippable <laughs> over coffee mug calling it the tipsy sipper. But your concerned cook is suggestive. I think it's something that people stop and say, oh, 
What is she concerned about? What's going on? And I think it helps them to engage with the brand. People always ask me that. What are you concerned about? And it's a hard answer because <laughs> I, I just answer, I'm concerned about so many things because I am. Like, just aren't we all? <laughs> right. Yeah. Especially today's day and age. I'm it's concerned like whether exist- I'm making it through tomorrow, right? Yeah. It's like an existential thing now. But yes. <laughs> People ask me all the time. And then, you know, this is something that I was concerned about when I was trying to pivot it into an agency because I'm like, people are not going to get it, right? So I kind of, my target audience is restaurant owners, food truck owners, virtual kitchen owners, or people that uh, create the food retail products, consumer products. And I'm like, they're going to think I'm like a chef. They're not going to get it you know, and it's been, I'm still in the process of pivoting, but that's one of the things where I'm like, I don't want to give up concerned cook. I don't want to create another brand. That's a lot of work to create a brand. You know, I don't want to create like a sub brand because it's never going to be the same. I'm like, I'm just going to have to figure it out, like mold it because I've had it for 10 years. I've made so many connections like you, you know, we met almost, I think that was like 2015, 2016. That was already a long time ago. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> so I don't want you know, and I I have so many connections and people I worked with that I only talk to through Concerned Cook, and I just kind of don't want to lose that. So I'm figuring it out, but it's, I guess it's a, a branding a branding thing, a branding crisis that I'm having. Yeah. Well, it, this is a, I think a good crisis, and in a way, it's something that that people want to talk about. Well, tell me. So we've got lots of people who listen to this podcast who are in your shoes ten years ago, five years ago. They've mm-hmm. got a brand. Maybe it's a personal brand. Maybe it's one that they have, you know, turned into a brand outside of just themselves. And they're thinking about how they get their name out there, how you create the types of connections that you have developed over the years that has led to longtime friendships or uh, big media appearances or getting to work with the dream types of clients that you've worked with. How have you gone about building your brand from the ground up? I think one essential thing is to stick to your, what you would call like your mission, your purpose, stick to, and for me it was easy because it was my passions and I'm very strict. So if I'm like, the brand's about this, the brand's about this. We're not deviating from the plan unless we're making a plan to deviate from the plan. So, (laughs) so for a long, you know, fun fact, for a long time, I was anonymous for at least five years. It was just because I didn't want it to be about me. I wanted it to be about the recipes. So even on Instagram for, I think until honestly, 2017 was when I was in my master's and we did a photo shoot for these projects we were doing. I'm like, I think I'm going to do a big reveal. It's my coming out party. We're going to reveal myself (laughs) and concern cook. And like, it was like January 1st, 2017. I decide, and it took a long time because I was into this whole mindset for a very long time that it's going to be anonymous. It's going to be about the food. I don't want it to be about me. And then I realized people care about the person making the food more than they care about the food itself. Uh, right. And, and that's the brand, but, and that's something that I do with chefs too. I think when I take on chefs, I'm like, anyone can make this Italian food, but why should they get it from you. Like, why should they support you? Especially nowadays. I know that we're going to like talk about trends and stuff, but people really, it's about whoever's behind the brand. And this is also like an old thing, like people buy stories, people buy emotions, but people really care about the person behind whatever the product or the service is and the story, because now they're consuming based on values, I think. 
Um, I, I mean, I like, especially since millennials, I guess, are at that age where we have a lot of spending power. It's not that we're, you know, 20 anymore yelling about climate change. Now we got the money to put behind like the consumer products we want for our kids and things like that. So, um, Yes, I think the I think the tip going back to your original question is like really sticking because for a long time, when I had concerned cook and foodies were rising, they were getting followers so fast. There are people that started way after me and they have hundreds and thousands of followers now. And I'm like, but I needed to stick to what I was doing, which was healthy food. And it wasn't that trendy and it's not as you know, photo friendly. Now there's a lot of vegan and a lot of like healthy stuff that's really popular. But back then it was like, first of all, Weight Watchers was a niche. So I was really like niched out people that saw points there. They were like, oh, this is not for me. This is like you buy products from a diet brand or something like that. And then once I start, I decided to remove the points to be more inclusive of people. I was like, okay, this is the new plan, but we're still going to stay healthy. And then when I added sustainability and sourcing and restaurants, I'm like, I'm not going to go to every restaurant that invites me that doesn't fit these things that my brand stands for. And it's tough because, I mean, it's 10 years and I'm and I'm still here. I don't have hundreds and thousands of followers. Um, you know, I don't have huge brand deals, but it's it's kind of like slowly building a business you believe in. But I think it's a strong foundation. Um, so a lot of people, especially with TikTok now want to build a brand overnight. And it's like, that's sometimes not, it has no longevity. So it depends, I guess, what you're trying to do with your brand. Yeah, it makes sense. It's people, people can be a flash in the pan and that's okay. There's lots of people out there who got instant success and popularity and have been able to ride that wave because they have converted that or aligned that, um, viral moment or viral period of time with those values that are sustainable over time. But mm -hmm. if you don't have a foundation of things that you're going to be building your brand on that separates you apart, that you commit to, and that you live authentically on a day-to-day -day basis, I think people see through it. We're in this, this you know part of history where there's so much information, content, things like cooking our attention left and right. And we're like, oh my gosh, this is going to be the biggest thing in the entire world. Game of Thrones. Like oh, Everybody <laughs> talked about this all the time. How many people have talked about Game of Thrones over the last year? No, I you didn't know? even watch it. So. Yeah, me neither. I didn't. But like <laughs> everyone was like, you know, oh my gosh, there's a mother of dragons. I'm like, I don't know what's yeah. going on. This was like, you know, consuming. It was like all consuming on social media and all people talked about for a long time. And now nothing. It just didn't survive. Um, it's one of just the many popular things that kind of came across our desk. And I think that there are popular influencers, popular brands, and it's a good thing to be popular. It's a good thing to be able to have that big following. But if that's yeah. all you have and you don't have the, the substance behind it, it's probably something that won't last and it may not be something that people want to connect with over a long period of time. Now, you have said, I want to, of course, I would love to be big and love to have these big brand deals. But what's more important for me is committing to my values, to things like sustainability, to local sourcing. And I want to work with people who meet and match those values. Who are the types of clients that you typically work with? And how do you, how do you help these clients in achieving your goals, having that shared uh, passion or shared foundation between you two? That's a good question. And I think it's important to mention that I am in a certain stage. So I didn't feel the luxury of being more picky two years ago. Because honestly, I started, I started taking on independent clients 
for Concerned Cook while I had my full-time job at a restaurant franchise and it was going through a crisis. So I had to go part-time. So a year and a half ago, maybe? Like, how long was that? (laughs) Mid-2020. Yes. (laughs) I was like, what year was that? Um, So (laughs) at first, I, I knew that I wanted to do that just because I've worked with people long enough. And I think that ties to what you were talking about, substance. I think it's important to have the knowledge and that takes time. You know, if you, I've worked for jobs that I worked for free sometimes when I was an intern in FIU for a long time. I did like a two years of internships. I was in the American Marketing Association doing work for free for local clients, connecting with other people that are still part of my marketing network because now they're, you know, they're all my age with their own businesses. And sometimes they call me and they're like, can you help me with a client? Um, you know, getting my education. And I'm not saying like everyone has to do all these things, but I'm just saying like some things take time. And if you have, it comes back to substance and foundation. But um, when I started, when I I decided that I really was going to leave my corporate job and I was going to try to pursue this full time, which is scary. And it was during the pandemic. And I guess the pandemic was my my pusher. I was like, okay, I want to work with only certain type of clients. And I'm still having that issue where I'm trying to figure out where, where I draw the line of it, it's a mix between their values, whether I like them as people, because <laughs> I don't know if you ever listened to Marcus Limoni. He, mm-hmm. he has a profit. He has a philosophy of like people, product. Well, now it's embarrassing, but it's like people, product, process. And he's from Miami, but he, he's got businesses everywhere. He, it's not like Shark Tank, but he goes to see businesses to invest in them. And he has a very holistic perspective. And one of his big things is business is personal. As we all know that we've done business with people, if somebody's value don't align with yours, I mean, a one-time thing, like if you're going to maybe review a contract once or do a small thing, let them go, never work with them again, it's fine. But if you have a continuous relationship that you're trying to build, you're trying to get their business to grow, which is very personal. It's very personal to work with someone and deal with their business because it's their livelihood most often, right? So I really want to work with people I like. Uh, I like their values. I like what they're doing. I think with marketing, I, there's an ethics part where you are amplifying someone's voice. And whose voice am I choosing to amplify? That's a big mm. thing for me now. So if I get in your business and I see that you're doing things that I don't really agree with. Your message to your customers is not true. Like you're saying that you're recycling and then you're throwing it out. I, I have problems with that, you know? So it's it obviously, you know, payment. But as far as, as you know, clients, uh, are they sustainable? They don't have to be sustainable. They don't have to be organic. Um, are, they a, are they a local business? Like, do I like what they're doing? Do I want to make them grow? Um, are they supporting local? Are they supporting other small businesses? One of my clients, there are these two chefs, it's a couple, and they are from Miami. They went to New York, they're coming back and they only have a virtual kitchen. And they, one of the, we were working on their values. We created a whole brand for them, right? And one of their values was respect the people we work with and respect our partners, like treat everyone with respect was one of their values. And I was like, that they told me that. And I was like, and it's true. They live by it. And I was like, wow, that is, that is so important because it's one of, you know, food quality, you know, those are great values to have too, but the partners and your employees, like treating them with respect. 
I think is like one of the things that I always want to work with because some people, I don't know if it's Miami, I don't know if it's, I don't know what it is, but they, they don't, they don't have those values. And I think that's the main thing in choosing clients. Like, am I going to want to talk to this person every day, every week? Do I want to amplify their voice? What do they stand for? Do I align with that? So they don't have to be strictly like health, sustainability, et cetera. It's great if they are, that's a plus. But I think the the relationship aspect, because we're going to have a relationship, is, is very important right now. Yeah, that makes total sense. It's kind of like, it's almost like dating and marriage in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, look, somebody might be attractive to you, okay? You might desire them from a physical aspect, from an ideological aspect. Something about somebody interests you. But when you are then getting to know somebody and you find out that you don't vibe or you don't gel, uh, it's not going to be a sustainable relationship. It's not going to be one that likely makes both of you guys happy because someone's really compromising from a value perspective. And I think the same thing happens in business. We deal with this a lot at the social media law firm. We don't work on a billable hourly basis. We either work on a per project basis where we quote a particular fee for a particular project you know what you're paying for in the beginning and how long it takes. And then once that project is done, once once we decide on that, you pay, we deliver or exceed those, or those expectations. And then we move on from the project. Other clients who work on a retainer basis where they're with us for a fixed monthly fee and we're handling all their legal work month over month. And usually we do more work than the fee, but we have this sustainable long-term relationship. And lots of clients at the beginning are like, wow, that retainer relationship sounds great. I can budget it. And I'm like, cool, that sounds awesome too, but we have to date before we get married. Let's work on a project together or two and see, are you enjoying our workflows? Are we kind of aligning? How's our communication? Do we feel this mutual respect? Are we both getting a lot of value? Is this fun? Yes. Now let's mature into a retainer-based relationship where we're kind of getting into bed together from a business standpoint and really getting to know each other. And I think that that's important regardless of the type of business that you take, because if you do something for getting the money, and that's the most important thing, and we all need to pay our bills. But if you do something with the primary purpose of just getting money, but putting yourself in a bad situation, you're not going to be able to sleep at night. You might not be happy. You're not going to enjoy the work. You're not going to enjoy working for somebody. And what's the point of doing that anyway? Um, You're just kind of spending time with someone and investing time and sharing those life experiences. So why not build a business, build a brand, build a lifestyle where you enjoy what you're doing and enjoy who you're doing that with. And I think there are many instances that we've even experienced on our end where we might be able to charge you know, a lot of money to work with one client, but we just don't get a great vibe or we can work for less money for a client that we really enjoy and we want to keep working with those clients because it's fun and we enjoy helping those people and enjoy working with them. So I think your, your process of how you go about choosing clients and who you align with is so very important. And probably one of the biggest takeaways that people who are listening to this or building their brand you know, might want to follow because we all think about business from a dollars and cents perspective, less about how we're spending our time and investing our time in that way. So I think that that is yeah. awesome. Now, you've been doing this for a long time um, and you are seeing different trends that might have been popular back in 2017, 2018 are much different from where we're at in 2021, 2022 and beyond. What are some of the trends that you see happening now or building now or happening in the future that you think brands that are using social media or marketing and branding um, should be looking into and investing time in? Okay. I've thought a lot about this 
since you sent me that question, <laughs> since you sent me that question, I was like, okay, how do I organize this? <clears throat> okay, I think one of the overarching, and I think we've all seen it, is something I mentioned, which is consuming based on values, right? And maybe that is a millennial thing. Maybe it's not. I think we all consume based on our identity and how it relates to our identity, but consuming based on values and how those brands are helping their community, uh, you know, donating, whatnot. So I think that that's a big trend. Um, They're consuming based on values. And I don't think that's going to go anywhere, especially because Gen Z is like a notch up from that. And, you know, they're in their 20s out. So I think that's a big deal. I think the work structures we have and how they've changed in 2020 is going to affect everything, whether it is how we consume a big, we've seen that right. Digitally, et cetera, meetings. Um, and therefore there's, there's the great resignation. There's how people are going to be working and there's how people are like, how companies are going to be built. Everyone's building their own little one person company now and they have to service someone. So I think that's going to, take some years to figure itself out I maybe faster with technology who knows but um local sourcing even though it's going to cost more sustainable sourcing even though it costs more we see the restaurants we see the straw situation um I guess like trendy things like nfts and cryptocurrency and things like that are now coming up I don't know how they relate in but I've seen podcasts in the restaurant industry, how like NFT and restaurants are going to match, but I am not an authority to talk on that. But I feel like that could be a thing for a little bit at least, but big things are, I think, sustainability. I mean, we can't avoid it. Like, how can we avoid th- that entire situation that's shaping everything? And I, yeah, I think people, a lot of transparency, like transparency about also on the, on the policy aspect of like uh, restaurants showing the calories Mm -hmm. where the food comes from removing plastic things like that so those are the things i see but i don't know do you have do you have any ideas like also yeah it's interesting it's interesting because in evaluating the trends uh what i really liked is that the the trends that that i think you align with more are less of what we would consider a trend nft cryptocurrency maybe these things are going to be around forever a lot of people thought social media would be a trend and they were wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so where I think we're still at that early stages of what these things are going to be like, but the trends that you focused on are really kind of more of those value-based type things. How are people being treated? How are we um, connecting with the environment? How are we basically kind of taking, you know, the trend is almost looking backwards at what yeah. is good from a universal perspective Um, prior to the advent of technology that's making things, you know, go much faster and much more digital and bringing those holistic type values into today's day and age, because that's what separates, I think, brands from everybody else, because everyone is going towards those new and unique trends. And it's not to say that NFTs and cryptocurrency isn't cool. I had this really interesting legal consult yesterday all about NFTs and copyright law. And I'm like, oh man, this is super interesting. That's going to be your new frontier. Look at that. It it might be, or it could just be a passing trend. But, you know, at the end of the day, being able to decipher what's the next big thing versus what are things that are sustainable over time as a trend to be able to build your values around, I think is an important distinction. And I think one mistake that people can have 
is potentially grabbing onto what's the trend of now and putting all of their time and resources behind it without seeing how that aligns with themselves and with their big picture and with their mission and with their vision. So I think kind of, you know, leaping before you look could be one mistake, but I'm curious from your perspective, what are some other mistakes that brands might be making right now or that entrepreneurs might be making or or maybe a mistake that you had made along the way um, that has helped to uh, launch you or catapult you forward until the, the into the person, the brand that you are today? Well, what you just mentioned is one of them. And I think it ties back into what I talked about, Concerned Cook and building a sustainable brand and sustainable in the sense of sustain itself over time, uh, like a strong foundation. And I think a lot of people build brands based on what's trendy, like a niche that's underserved, but not things that they're really like honest about. Like that brand that I was talking about, the the two chefs that they they live by like respecting their partners, you know? And I think that if you build your business in any way that you can shape it based on values that you really believe in, and even when you're not running it, when maybe it's a bunch of people running it and you are the CEO or the founder, or you're not even in the business anymore, it has to have a brand that stands for whatever that is, right? Mm-hmm. So... I think a lot of people need to need to think about that. So it's not quick cash. It's I worked in the franchise industry and you see that a lot there. People are investing in businesses just because they don't need to love the restaurant industry. They don't need to like be a chef. They don't need to love food, but they can't just like invest money in something and walk away. Like it's going to run itself. A restaurant does not run itself. <laughs> that <laughs> the is the last thing. <laughs> the, the guests don't seat themselves. The lights don't turn on by themselves. That is the last thing that runs itself. There's like an Uber Eats order that goes wrong with the driver, with this, with that. And it's a quick chaos that happens. And you need someone managing it. So I think, I think like committing to whatever that is, like committing to being a business owner and operating this business, committing to like running my business a certain way. I think a lot of people, and especially now because everyone's starting something, let's say they quit their job and they're going to invest in being a freelance X something, right? So is is this what you're going to be doing for the next five years? Because are you going to be doing it for six months? Or like, you know, kind of like that. I feel like a lot of people are, I don't know if that's a mistake, but I think it's something that people need to evaluate a little bit longer. There's, a, you know, TikTok makes everyone want to start a TikTok business and I don't know. I don't know how I feel about all of that. Um, <laughs> uh, other mistakes. Um, in my field, which is restaurants, and a lot of it is older generations, I think that they are still thinking social media is a fad. It is not It is not a fad, as we know. It is the new way to connect with other people. There's still other ways. And I think that word of mouth is important face-to-face service, but a lot of places are just virtual restaurants or half of your business comes from Uber Eats, from people that are never going to see your face. So I think making sure that your digital experience, whether that's your website, whether that is your social media, whether that's your third parties, your Uber Eats, your DoorDash, your online ordering, um, whether you have local partners or you are investing in a school locally, I think having you know, and influencers, people think also influencers are a fluke and some, you know, there's a back and forth. I've been in both sides of, of the coin, but I just think like looking around and making sure your digital experience is on point because 
that digital is not going anywhere, especially after 2020. Like we don't know how many, how long the pandemic is going to be here, honestly. So not having social media, not having a website, not having online ordering, or just saying those things are a fad, not really like paying attention to these trends that are happening and people are investing in, you don't have to do it, but at least give it some value. Because if there's hundreds and thousands of people investing in this, paying attention, consuming through this, it can be something that at some point you're going to need to integrate into your business. Yeah, it makes sense. And I think lots of businesses, even people, even myself are resistant to change and we're resistant to things that maybe the latest fad that we don't want to dive into. And, and it might be hard to decipher between what's a fad and what's something that, that requires lots of time and attention. And I think if anything, um, we need to embrace reality and deal with it. And if we are more of an old school type business or an old school type restaurant that, oh, we don't want to serve our, our food with delivery. We don't want to have a social media presence. We've been doing this for 50 years. Uh, why change now? Um, look, on the one hand, there is a refreshing perspective to saying we've got old school values and we built things the right way and that's not who we are. But on the other hand, the world is changing. And it is very possible that um, if we don't change along with the world, if we don't adapt our existing values and business model to take advantage of these new technologies, we may find that in a couple of years, we're starting to become obsolete. And yeah. that's, I think, a big risk. I've been involved with wonderful law firms before that I'd even worked with that had the best reputation, some of the best attorneys did things the right way, but didn't really evolve from a digital perspective didn't embrace online, didn't embrace the web, didn't embrace social media. And that firm is now kind of transitioned as part of a different firm. And it could have been because it was a great business decision. It also could have been part of some things just don't evolve over time. And so I think keeping an open mind to where the universe is evolving, where consumers are evolving, where people are paying attention to is important because we might be resistant to change, but I think we need to be open-minded to change. And I think it could be a big mistake not to consider uh, how to pivot and how to change kind of in this brave new digital world. So I think that's terrific, terrific advice of, of a mistake to avoid. I have one comment. I have a, like a great example of this. I think yesterday, Instagram announced that they're going to do subscriptions and they're only testing it with a very small market. And I think an, an, a younger me would have been like, no, that's not for me. But I think now seeing everything that has happened or everything that's happening, I just thought about, okay, so how does my business fit into that? Because it could be a flop or it could be big. So not necessarily how can I make money out of that, but how can my business fit into that? Because Instagram's huge, right? So they're launching this. this they already announced these are going to be their focuses. And I'm like, if I was to create a subscription, what would it create a subscription about? And probably like restaurant marketing or, you know, some people are going to create recipes. And then I'm like, okay, and that would take X amount of time because I would want it to be polished, right? If I'm going to put something out there that people are going to pay for. So, and then I put it on the back burner because it was yesterday and I let it go. <laughs> and somebody asked me, my friend was like, well, oh, bookish weekend. She was like, well, so what do you think about this? And I'm like, I need a day. I need a day to think about this, but at least I might never do it, but it's something that you need to consider, especially depending what space you're in. Marketing gets so much pressure. You always have to be on top of it. I'm sure law, you always have to be on top of everything all the time. It's exhausting. But I think all businesses now need to be on top of what's going on digitally because they're going to have to live in a digital world. I mean, we all do. 
So it's, it's just, I think just being open-minded probably. And it's great to have foundation. I keep talking about foundation, having a solid foundation, but adapting, I think, so I think having the, the strategy, the foundation, the values, but then the execution needs to change all the time, possibly, because we're, we're, we evolve. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's important to be open-minded to those concepts, to be able to learn more, to consider them, to be concerned yes. about what might happen if your business doesn't stay open-minded to those things. <laughs> Don't I sound concerned? You're very concerned. (laughs) I was like concerned about (laughs) subscriptions. (laughs) First example, yeah. Very concerned. I know listening to this podcast today um, and watching this video, people are going to be concerned about, hey, am I going in the right direction? And they may want to start following you for some more tips. They may want to learn about this potential subscription service that might be rolling out at some point in the future on your Instagram. They want to follow along for cool tips um, about the uh, hospitality industry, the restaurant industry. So where can people find you on social media and how can they follow along and how could they work with you? Okay. So you can find me on concernedcook.com. I have a lot of examples there of business I've worked with, of my experience. You can follow me on Concerned Cook on Instagram. I'm also on Twitter, Pinterest, TikTok, Facebook, but Instagram is kind of like my bread and butter. Um, so you can always also DM me. A lot of people have requested service through DMing me. You can schedule a call through my website. And I have complimentary discovery calls, kind of like the dating perspective. You meet me, you see what I'm about. I meet you, I see what you need, what you're about. And then after that, we see if we can make a plan together, make something work. And yeah, you can also find recipes. I do restaurant tips. I showcase local restaurants doing really interesting stuff or brands that are sustainable or local people that are like, I work with something called the Sustainable Supper Club. And there are these two women that started pop-up sustainable dinners in Miami just for fun. So sometimes I pair up with them. There's um, an eco-friendly venue that's doing a yoga class tomorrow. And I'm going to that too. So just fun stuff that aligns with the the things that I believe in. And now I'm making it more like tips for restaurant owners. And then we did our live on social media law for freelancers, content creators, restaurant owners. So that that's kind of like small business owners, content creators, freelancers. I think they'll, they'll get the most out of Concerned Cook and people that like to cook because I still always put recipes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So regardless of what it is that you're looking for, or where you're coming from, we should take some time to visit ConcernCook.com. Uh, follow up my Imada on the ConcernCook Instagram account, whether you're a restaurant, restaurant owner, content creator, marketer, you're going to learn different tips. If you're open-minded to learning different um, yeah. strategies and perspective, it's a great, a great account to follow, but even better, a great friend to make along the way. Thank you. We're celebrating our now six or seven year friendship anniversary, which has been 99% digital since the one time yep. that we met in person. But since that you know, one time. This is, this is Aldous Huxley's Brave New World where, uh, <laughs> where friendships can be sustainable, um, you know, even, even digitally by sharing those right values and having that yeah. foundation and sharing that success. And if Thanks. you want to share in the success of enjoying these podcasts, I would love for you to subscribe to the Social Media Lawcast. We are interviewing other amazing guests just like Amada. And from time to time, I'm talking about social media legal stuff. If you thought that this episode was great, because I I know I did, Amada (laughs) deserves five stars for hanging with me for the last 42 minutes and 44 seconds. So please uh, 
uh, subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, share it with your friends. And if you want to learn more tips about social media and the law, feel free to follow us at The Social Media Law Firm on Instagram as well. Or you could be super cool, follow us on LinkedIn, uh, but I'm not on TikTok, so you won't find me there. But um, soon, we will see. I think you would thrive, thrive there. <laughs> I know. I've got I got to be open-minded to it, you know, and can and it, get on it. You don't have to do 10 videos a day, but there are some financial and law people there that are just sharing their knowledge and you would, yeah, you would definitely thrive. You know, so. time for me to get on that boat. <laughs> TikTok, uh, yeah. <laughs> this was an absolute blast. Thank you so much for Thank coming you. on the show. Can't wait to do this again soon. And I hope that uh, everything continues to be great. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Have a good day.